How many times do you repeat things like this to your kids? Go to bed. You're tired. You need a nap. Or eat your fruits and veggies. They'll make you big and strong. You don't need that much sugar right now. Put the candy away. Or change your attitude. Don't be sad, angry, upset. Just because you didn't get your way doesn't mean you can throw a fit about it. Like anyone else besides me say those things all the time. My goodness, why don't they listen? Mom knows best. I'm just trying to help them do what's most helpful for them. Like, why can't they understand that? Well, let me ask you these things. Do you ever ignore your body's signs of tiredness? Stay up late, get grumpy or irritable because of lack of sleep? Or do you choose too much sugar or other foods over fruits and veggies? Do you let negative emotions or an attitude about something influence your mood or responses to circumstances that maybe didn't quite go the way you thought they should? If you're feeling a little ouch in your soul right now, I'm right there with you. This is the lesson that I've been reminded of a lot lately. It can be so much easier to tell someone else what to do and how to do it. It can be so much easier to pinpoint someone else's problems and give them solutions rather than look inward at what we might need to change. Okay, that's a whole other topic. Today, I want to talk about why these things in particular are important for you to remind yourself as often as you are reminding your kids. See, the things we do for our kids, we try to teach them the expectations that we have for them are not that far off from how we should be living. Like, just because we aren't kids anymore doesn't mean we don't need sleep, we don't need nutritious foods or attitude adjustments at times, and like, more surprising than that statement, the reasons behind and the processes for living these things out are actually just about the same for kids, for our kids and for us. So really you're getting like a two for one today, lessons helpful in parenting and developing your own healthy lifestyle. All right, so let's dive in. Oh, and before we do, stay tuned at the end of the episode where I'm actually going to be bringing my two kiddos on and asking them how they feel when I tell them some of these things. It's adorable sometimes to hear wisdom from our kids. They truly can teach us so much if we let them. Hey, welcome to Healthy and Empowered Living. I'm your host, Lauren Joyce, and I'm so excited to be with you today. I am passionate about helping women just like you ditch the diet culture and transform your body from the inside out without feeling selfish or taking up all your time. I believe living healthy can be simple and fun and ultimately allow you to deepen your relationship with God and walk more fully in the purposes He has for you. I've been where you are now. I've tried the diets and even got to my goal weight, but it left me feeling just as empty, insecure, and unfulfilled as I was before. It wasn't until I drew closer to God that I experienced that true confidence I was after. So grab your Bible, notebook, and coffee and get ready to finally experience joy and freedom in your health journey. All right, so starting off with sleep. Obviously, I'm sure you know in your head that sleep is important. I talked about, I've talked about this some before, but my question for you would be, do you make it a priority or fully understand the consequences of not getting enough sleep? Like besides fatigue, you may experience lack of focus, poor memory, worsening eating and exercise habits, higher stress and other things like that. But on the flip side, like when you are getting enough sleep, it can be so beneficial to your mood, your memory, your focus, your ability to learn new things and make good decisions. 
See, getting enough sleep is the most important thing that you can do for your health, both mentally and physically. Sleep is crucial to our well-being. As we sleep, our brain clears away the debris of the day's work while resetting and restoring nerve networks so that they can function fully when we wake. Like, that sounds super complicated, but sleep is a gift from the Lord and we're blessed to receive it. He created us this way. Psalm 127.2 says, In vain you rise up early and, st and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Even David in the Psalms declares that he would sleep and let the Lord take care of him. How often have you laid awake at night worrying about the circumstances around you? Psalm 3 verses 5 and 6 says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. And then Psalm 4 verse 8 says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. See, committing to sleep is a way of surrendering to God, saying, you know, God is God. He can manage things without me. Like, we don't need to push hard seven days a week, all hours of the day, or build like this quote-unquote messiah, messiah complex. We need sleep. But how much? See, the generally accepted amount of sleep recommended is between seven and nine good hours of sleep each night. Now, I know this is tough to do as a busy mom, especially if you don't typically sleep well during the hours you are spending in bed each night or you have little ones who wake you up at night and all that. Like, that's why I say generally recommended. The point I want to make here is that I encourage you to learn to prioritize restful sleep when you could instead be pushing through and running yourself ragged all the time. Even if you find yourself thinking that your sleep is good enough, I highly encourage you to do the work it takes to make sure that you're getting really the best sleep you possibly can. Because you can do this and you're going to feel a lot better once you've managed to make your sleep the best that it can possibly be. You'll experience more energy during your waking hours, which we all know can make all the difference in how much we're able to accomplish in a day. So how do you make sure that you get the best sleep? A bedtime routine. That's typically my first and best suggestion. See, usually this is something that you set up for your kids when they're young, right? It's in all the parenting books or, you know, apps these days, I guess. You know, you give them a bath, you brush their teeth, you read to them, tuck them in, rub their back, say a prayer, whatever it is. But the point is you do it the same way and you do the same things every single night and they typically fall asleep right away, right? Now that routine has trained their minds to tell their bodies that it's time to prepare for sleep and then they fall asleep. I noticed that my kids even yawn at the exact same point in their routines every single night, like without fail. It's crazy and awesome all at the same time. The same thing that trains your kids to go to sleep works for you too. If you begin doing the same things every night, your brain will tell your body that it's time for sleep and you'll begin You'll begin getting sleepy at the same time every night and fall asleep easier. The key, though, is to do that same thing every night and really as close to the same time as possible. Here's a few things to consider, like when you're thinking about developing your bedtime routine or making some adjustments. Um, cutting back on caffeine and or alcohol because both can hinder falling asleep and or staying asleep. Stopping the use of technology about 30 minutes to an hour before you intend to fall asleep, especially browsing through social media or watching TV. Now, the main reasons I'll just touch on briefly are like the light affects your body's normal circadian rhythms, but also things like that can kind of overstimulate your mind and keep it going long past when you'd really like to fall asleep. 
the next thing is reading a physical book to make you feel drowsy or taking a hot bath or shower before bed to kind of like calm you down and relax you. But you may find that you have to experiment a little bit with like what works for you and what doesn't. But remember that what doesn't work for the first few nights might begin to work better the more that you follow that routine. So don't give up on something too easily. Now, if you already have a solid bedtime routine, like that's great. Keep following it and make sure to prioritize enough good sleep every single night. If you do have a pretty good routine and have no problems falling asleep, but you tend to have trouble staying asleep, you may try some adjustments to your routine to see if there's any changes that affect how well you're able to stay asleep at night too. Like for example, if you wake and have a hard time falling back asleep because your mind is thinking about different things, um, you may add journaling or creating a to-do list for the next day to your bedtime routine. And this could help your mind kind of deal with all the things that it needs to before you even fall asleep for the night, which then can help you stay, stay asleep or at least fall back asleep easier during the night. So... The next time you tell your kids to go to bed, take a nap, or that they're tired because of how they're behaving, be sure to remind yourself of the same things and ask yourself if you're needing to prioritize a little extra sleep today or this week too. Okay, so ne- next, let's touch on nutritious foods. What's the first thing that comes to mind when I say nutritious foods? Maybe for you it's diets or nasty tasting expensive food from the natural grocer. Maybe it's, I know I should be eating more healthy foods, but I just don't or can't make myself, or I just love sugar too much. I could never go a day without a Coke. See, I truly believe that it doesn't have to be so complicated to eat more nutritious foods, but it does take some intentionality. A saying I love to repeat to myself often is, eat to live, don't live to eat, meaning the foods I choose, I choose because it's, it's feeding my body what it needs to function and function well rather than constantly thinking about, you know, how good certain foods taste or makes me feel um, or making food choices based on that. You probably know that foods give your body nutrients, you know, in the form of vitamins and minerals and energy in the form of calories. I want to throw in a quick side note here. I will say that I am a certified, I am certified as a health coach, but I am not a registered dietitian. So please consult either your doctor or your registered dietitian before making any huge changes to your diet and or if you have specific dietary concerns. Okay, now that that's out of the way, I want to give you the general rule of thumb I use in my own eating and that I teach my clients. Like it's so general, you'll probably be shocked, but I'm telling you, it's really all you need to know to get the basics of eating nutritious foods down. And maybe you put it, you've heard it put this way, eat the rainbow. And that's pretty much it. Focus on filling up with a variety of fruits and veggies and aim for whole grains and lean meats as much as possible. See, the flip side to that is if you are filling up on these nutritious and very filling foods, then you'll leave very little room for processed foods and excess in your diet. And by processed foods, I'm referring more to foods where they have a million unpronounceable ingredients, additives, extras like sugars, dyes, preservatives, or whatever. Like, I want to be clear here. Yes, it's ideal to eat only unprocessed all-natural foods or whatever, but let's be honest, that's not super realistic. So it's not what I do, and it's not what I teach. What is realistic is making small changes. Swap out things that you usually eat for the more nutritious option. Now, I'll give some examples, but I encourage you to do what works for you. You know you best, and you know what's realistic and achievable for you, so be sure to start there. So the examples that come to mind are like filling your plate 
at meals with more fruits and veggies than anything else. So you get full on those first. Swapping out a fruit or a veggie for chips at lunch if you normally have chips in a sandwich. Or if maybe you're not quite there yet, you can do a cracker like a Triscuits, which only have three natural ingredients. Like those are just a few that come to mind. But like I said before, like you do what works for you. Because remember, you get to decide what healthy looks like for you. This is just a simple place to begin making small changes for your eating. So the next time that you have to tell your kids, eat their veggies a million times at dinner or to pick fruit for a snack and stop asking for candy all day long, like turn the advice back to yourself and check in with you and the choices that you're making to be sure that you are eating the nutritious foods to fuel your body. So the last thing I want to talk about is emotions. So this is a quote that I heard recently that I just keep going back to. Emotions are indicators, not dictators. If you're like me, the reality is that so often you probably let your emotions dictate your actions or reactions to something. Like if you're stressed, you may find yourself irritable and snapping at your family more often or more easily. If you're sad or discontent, you might kind of get quote unquote lazy about things getting done or not feel like you have the energy to do anything. Or if you're happy or excited, you probably have lots of energy for fun things. Did you know that you have the power to choose what happens when you feel a certain emotion? And you have the power to change how you feel about a circumstance too. It's all about perspective. So the best example I can think of that happened recently in my life that really showed me the progress that I've made in this area was when I was on a family vacation recently in Colorado. We did all sorts of things from hiking to shopping to eating at yummy restaurants to chilling at the rental house, keeping my kids entertained. I was having a blast. Like, It didn't matter what we were doing. I had a smile on my face. I was excited to enjoy the time away with my family and have fun. I was so full of joy. It must have been radiating because my stepmom said to me, Lauren, you just have fun no matter what, don't you? And it really got me thinking about how it was truly a choice, like one that's gotten easier to make, but a choice nonetheless to have fun, to make the most of everything we were doing and enjoy the time that I had with my kids and my family. As I'm processing through this progress, I find myself telling my kids often that they have a choice in their emotions, especially negative ones. Like the other day, my son was upset that he had forgotten a certain toy at home when he was going to spend the day with his grandma. He was really upset, throwing a fit, screaming and crying about it. I told him that he had a choice to make. He could either let his strong negative emotions of being upset or angry with me ruin the rest of his day with grandma and all the fun toys that she has, Or he could choose to make the most out of what he does have and what he would get to do and play with that day. Now, I'm not saying that you should stuff those emotions. That's definitely not healthy. But I am saying that you don't have to let your emotions dictate your reaction. You have the choice. So here are four things that you can do when you're feeling some kind of strong emotion. The first is to identify. The first step is to identify the emotion and even the circumstance that caused you to feel this way, you know, the trigger, if you will. And the second step is kind of pushing the pause button for a second, like stopping whatever you would naturally do next. And this is the key difference between a response, which is typically good, and a reaction, which is often not as good. Step number three is really thinking through your options. So this is where you can process your emotion. Think about how you can choose to respond to provide you, you know, the most ideal response result, the one that you're looking for. And then step four is to respond, to choose your action, not react. 
Okay, so this is pretty deep stuff and you may be completely overwhelmed at this point and even be wondering what in the world this has to do with healthy living. And that's totally understandable. See, I believe that one of the key ways we can successfully live a healthy and empowered life is to grow in emotional maturity. And you do that by practicing things like this. But I will give you a practical example of a way that you've probably experienced this uh, reaction to an emotion rather than responding to an emotion. And that comes with emotional eating. Or, you know, if you haven't identified it as emotional eating, it's going to come out in things like feeling completely out of control around a food. Um, Like you just have to have it or you have to have more. You can't stop eating it. Or maybe you feel addicted to something like like sugars or, or a specific drink like a Coke. You know, those are signs of some kind of an emotional attachment. Like, for example, with the sugar, if you you feel like you crave sugar constantly and you've tried to give it up, but it like just doesn't work. So having a foundation of how to deal with these strong emotions, really even just identifying the strong emotions to start with can be so helpful um, when it comes to overcoming, you know, this emotional attachment to food or or having a reaction and going to food instead of responding um, in a way that doesn't include food. So practicing this pause in a moment of quote unquote giving into a craving and really checking in with yourself, your emotions, the possible triggers in your circumstances or things like that, like this can really help you think through your options and respond rather than react. Like I said, does that make sense? Hopefully. All right. So the next time your kids are having these big emotions, you know, throwing fits or getting angry or whatever, and you're trying to tell them to stop, take a moment and and remind yourself that just like you have a hard time identifying and processing and responding to emotions, like they do too. All right, ladies, let's have some fun today. I am going to, as promised, bring my two sons on and ask them some of these questions. Now, full disclosure, they were super chatty and talkative when we were practicing, and as soon as I hit record, they got a little shy. So I captured what I could. Hopefully you enjoy their cute little voices, and my apologies for the um, dog walking in the background in one of the clips. Um, That's life, right? Hopefully you enjoy this. All right. I have Caleb here with me. He is my older son at the time of this recording. He is six and a half years old, and I'm going to ask him a couple questions. The first question, buddy, is how does it make you feel when I tell you to take a nap or that you're tired? Good. It makes you feel good. How so? Do you like it when I tell you to go take a nap or that you must be tired? Yeah. Yeah? Do you sometimes think that you're not tired and you don't need to take a nap? Yeah. Yeah? Do you feel better after you sleep? Yeah. All right. Second question. What do you think when I tell you that you need to eat your fruits and veggies if we're at dinner or lunch or whatever? Mm, Scared. Scared? Why does it make you feel scared? You don't know? Do you like your fruits and veggies? No. No? Not any of them? You have a favorite vegetable, don't you? Well, some. Some. Which ones do you like? Mm, broccoli. Broccoli? What else? Uh, asparagus. Asparagus. And what's your favorite fruit? Mm, 
Strawberries. Strawberries. Those are so yummy. Do you like it when I tell you you need to eat your veggies before you can be done with your dinner? What? What if I tell you at the end of your dinner that you have to eat your veggies before you can be done? Do you like that or no? Um, no. Why not? Because are you sometimes full by the time you eat your veggies because you save them for last? And what do I always tell you you should do? Eat my veggies first. Eat your veggies first. Okay, what about this question? What do you think when I tell you that you shouldn't have too much dessert, like too much cake or candy or ice cream? Fine to do that. Why? Because what happens? How do you feel when you eat too much sugar? Not good. Not good? How so? Does it give you a tummy ache? Does it make you feel yucky in your head a little bit? Yeah. So do you think I'm telling you to not eat too much sugar because it's better for your body? Yeah. All right, buddy, last question and I'll let you go play, okay? okay? What do you think when I tell you to change your attitude or turn your attitude around? Fine. Really? It doesn't make you a little mad when I tell you to change your attitude? A little mad. A little mad? How do you normally respond when I tell you go change your attitude? (laughs) Really? That's what you always do? You're the best son ever, you know that? So how do you think you change your attitude? Like if you're mad that we forgot something at home when we're going to Mimi's house, how can you change your attitude if you were upset about it? Be calm. Be calm. What else? Do you think you could choose to look at the positive things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like what? Mm-hmm. Like maybe that you're still going to have fun or you have lots of other things to play with? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when we talked about that the other day when we forgot something to go to to Mimi's house? Did you still have fun when you went over there? Yeah. Yeah? Good. So do you think changing your attitude helps you to have a better day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I love you, buddy. All righty. I have my younger son, Daniel, on now. He, at the time of this recording, is just about to turn four. All right, Daniel, your first question is, how does it make you feel when I tell you to go take a nap or that you're too tired? I don't know how it does. You don't know how it makes you feel? Do you sometimes think that you do need a nap or that you're tired? Yeah. Do you feel better after you sleep? Yeah. So what? when you're getting really tired, how do you behave? When you're tired, how do you act? Are you grumpy? Wild. You act wild. That's true. All right, buddy. Your second question is, what do you think when I tell you to eat your fruits and veggies? Mm, I would eat them. You would eat them. Why? Because. Because why? Because. Do they taste yummy? Yeah. Do you like them? Yeah. You're my child who loves fruits and veggies, huh? Yeah. So what do you think when I tell you not to eat too much dessert or candy or cake or ice cream or whatever? Does that make you sad or mad or you're okay with it? Mm, sad. Makes you sad? 
All right, buddy, last question. What do you think when I tell you to change your attitude or turn your attitude around? Like if you're grumpy or throwing a fit or something. Mm. What do you think about? I don't know. You don't know. Does it make you want to change your attitude or does it make you more upset? Mm. Do you like when I tell you that? Yeah. And when you do turn your attitude around, do you have more fun? Do you have a better day? Yeah. Yeah? But what about when you stay upset and grumpy? Do you have a good day still or not really? Not really. Not really. All right. Thanks, bud. I love you. Thanks for listening today. If you're loving what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes each week. And if you're not already a part of the Joyful Health for Christian Moms Facebook community, we'd love to have you. We aren't meant to do this thing alone, so come find the support and encouragement you need on your journey to healthy and empowered living. Also, if you're interested in working with me through my coaching program, you can book a free discovery call or email me to learn more. You'll find all the links to connect with me in the show notes. Until next time.